Uh, it was very warm. I mean, here it's cold. The guys are wearing shorts, pluckies, uh, T-shirts, because it's so warm up there. Um, my first time up to, to that part of the country, specifically. So, um, yeah, then we've been uh, around. So, But anyway, I, what I want to do this morning is I'd love to share with you, um, and I've called this morning the Inside Out Life. And many of you know that this morning is actually Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Pentecost Sunday, if we look back, you know, to the birth of the church, 50 days after the resurrection, 50 days after Easter, came Pentecost, and it was a Jewish festival, and that was the day that the church began on Pentecost Sunday, the first day of the week. It began um, as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon a group of people, and that was the beginning of the church. Uh, it began supernaturally. It wasn't 12 men sitting around a table trying to strategize and come up with a clever idea of like, we know, let's try and come up with a strategy of how we can take over the world. <laughs> and they had some grand scheme that they were going to try and, you know, get Christianity into the world as a new religion. No, 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 no. This was a work of God. This was the Holy Spirit that birthed the church, as it says in Acts 2. And um, it's really a beautiful thing that we today are here because of what happened at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. We are here today because you and I are called to be a, a people in Jesus that are spirit-filled, and that's what the church is. Um, now, I'd actually like to share with you this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to look at three scriptures, um, four scriptures, and I really want to speak about the Holy Spirit and unpack a, a portion of scripture dealing with the, the, the fruit of a spirit-filled life, but from a bit of a different angle, from, not from Acts, but from Ephesians, the, the fruit of a spirit-filled life. That's really what I want to look at this morning, and I've called it actually the inside-out inside life. And um, as you look at the scripture, you know, maybe you're here today and you have experienced the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, many of you have been part of uh, Josh Jen or charismatic type church where you've experienced the, the, the infilling and the baptism of the Spirit, you understand these things, but there are some of you here that maybe you don't understand these things, and for you, your experience, you know, maybe for you like me, when I became a Christian, I had a very negative experience or understanding, actually I had a fear of the work of the Holy Spirit. For me, the Holy Spirit was some kind of mystical fog some kind of divine energy, and I had no idea that the Holy Spirit was a person um, who was God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that we can actually have a relationship with through Jesus. And uh, I was very fearful of the work of the Spirit. And so, and, you know, maybe you're in that boat today. Maybe you even here this morning, and you're not even sure you're a Christian, that you don't even know the Lord, or you've run away from Him, Either way, I trust that you'd be encouraged that God would meet with you where you are this morning. So let's have a look at this portion of Scripture in verse 18 to 21. Um, I don't think Raymond realized it was the same Scripture that I was going to preach from when he shared it earlier. But it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
And so just now, I'm going to give you three kind of marks or fruits of a life that is lived of how do you know if you're in the Spirit? How would you know if you are filled with the Spirit? And, and what he does is he gives the results of a life that is filled with the Spirit. We'll look at that now now. But before I do, I want to say, let's just take a step back. And in the broader context of this, um, this book, the book of Ephesians, uh, it's an amazing book. And who of you know what is the one main theme in the book of Ephesians? The one theme, if you f- summarize it, for me anyway, is this little phrase, in Christ. And the whole book is really dealing with what it means to be a Christian, to be someone, and he uses the phrase, in Christ, in Christ. In other words, it's a life that you find your identity in Jesus, you find your uh, purpose in Jesus, you find truth. In fact, there's only truth in Jesus. You find your wisdom in Jesus. You find your standard for how you should live in Jesus. Everything is wrapped up in the Christ life. Um, and it's kind of, you know, being a Christian, just want to remind us, maybe for some of you again, being a Christian is not the process of going from bad to good. You know, I was bad and now I'm going to become a good person. That's, that's just being moral. That's just being religious. A Christian is someone that in Christ, as it says in Ephesians 2, is going from dead to going to be alive from death to life. And so that only happens as you live in Christ, as you are in Him through the Spirit. But the immediate context in Ephesians 5, if we go to Ephesians 5, is the context of actually how we live in Christ. Like, how do you actually walk out a life in Christ? How do you, you know, how does it work in the nuts and bolts of how we treat one another, of how we, we can say we're Christians, but how does it actually work itself out? And the rest of Ephesians from chapter 4 into chapter 5 and chapter 6 actually gets very much into the, the nitty-gritty, the, the, the details of what it means to be in Christ. Um, he speaks about marriage later on and how if you're a Christian, there's a way that your marriage should look. There's a way that if you're a husband, the way that you should treat your wife. That if you're a wife, the way you should honor your husband. Uh, It speaks about even how we should treat one another of that if you say you're in Christ. You know, and um, interesting, uh, recently I did a, um, a, a, a talk with the TMT students on how to be a peacemaker. And one of the things Ephesians also deals with, I'm just kind of just detouring slightly, but is how to actually learn how to fight well how to deal with conflict well. And I've met so many Christians, and I've done this myself at times, where actually we don't, we deal with conflict like the world deals with conflict. We actually don't know how to deal with offense or if there's unforgiveness, we don't deal with it in the Christ kind of way. And Ephesians deals with all of that stuff, how we to treat one another if you're in Christ. And the immediate context deals with that. But specifically, he mentions here in verse 18 of this life in Christ is only possible not in your own strength. You can't do this in your own strength. You cannot try and be a good person or be alive in God. You cannot, be a, uh, you cannot do it in your own strength. There's some kind of secret power that's been given to us in the Lord, which is the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he deals with here, is he gets to the heart of how do you live a fruitful life? How do you live it? And in verse 18, let's, and I want to just dig out a couple of things from the scripture. Let me get there myself. And in verse 18, 
he says, um, earlier in verse 15, he says, be careful how you walk. <clears throat> He's very practical. And verse 18, he gives a negative command. He says, do not be drunk with wine. Don't. And so he says something, guys, avoid what? Don't be under the influence of alcohol. Why does he say that? Maybe because even in that day, people that wanted to try and have a good time, where would they go to if they wanted to have a good time? Many of them would turn to wine or alcohol. Isn't that true for us today in our society? It's like, I know I've grown up with a family. I mean, my, my family are in the alcohol business, right? I mean, my, my father and my two brothers, they make rum. They make alcohol and they sell it around the world. So, you know, they're in the other spirit business. Um, <laughs> I know some of you have heard that. I should share that again. <laughs> so, I mean, I know. And they, what do they do is when they, want to, when they want to find pleasure and when they want to find delight, what do they do? They have friends, but there's always alcohol. There's always something to drink. And they always get controlled and they get unduly influenced by alcohol. My friends, I didn't mean to go here, but I want to ask you that if you, if you run to alcohol, and I know we're a church, but there, there are many. But you run to alcohol that maybe for you, alcohol has an influence on your life. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to drink a glass of wine. But if you run to it, if you are controlled by it, Paul is saying here, do not come. Do not be drunk with wine. And then he says the fruit of this, of actually of being drunk with wine, he says it leads to, and he uses a word, this, this strange old English word, debauchery. What does that mean? You know, we don't use that word anymore, debauchery. What does debauchery mean? And debauchery essentially means to live an abandoned life, a life of abandon, where you've actually left behind any degree of control, and alcohol has taken, it's, it's made you live in excess, but in a kind of unhealthy, ungodly way that's going to destroy you. You've abandoned your life. And I've got, I've got friends, unfortunately, and we know people even in, in, our, in our family that alcohol has just made them throw away their lives. Um, oh, it may not be said of us. But then what he does is he gives a positive influence. And he says here, don't be drunk with wine. But he says, and here's a command, actually, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying here is be controlled by the Spirit. The influence on your life shouldn't be outward things like wine or the things that are going to pick you up. You know, we all have things that pick us up. I know some of you, when you're down, what picks you up? Maybe it's chocolate. <laughs> you know, maybe it's a, a series on TV. Maybe what do you run to? For younger people, I know it's often media, social media. You want to find validation or approval. But he's saying, no, 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 fill yourself with the Spirit. Let your influence, let your control be the Spirit. Now, what does it mean, Spirit, here? Does it mean, he's speaking here about the Holy Spirit, the person of God who lives within us, letting Him empower you, uh, refresh you, letting Him fill you, letting Him control you, not, not running away from Him, but the sense of like, Lord, would you come and would you influence me would you fill me? Would, you, would, would my life be a life that is saturated by the person, by the influence of God? Very God of very God, the, the fullness of God that lives within us. And I find it's something, you know, for me, I've got to cultivate that. 
I've got to, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I leak. I leak. What do you mean by that? I run dry. That often I find myself full of the Lord, full of His grace, full of His presence, and I feel that in my life. But then there's other seasons where I'm giving out and I'm giving myself out and we, we face these challenges and I find myself empty. What do I have to do again? You've got to go again to the source, to the Lord. Oh God, I want to come and I want to be filled with you. Would you, I want to drink of you. I want to, there's a wonderful scripture in 1, Timothy, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 that says that in one body we were baptized into one spirit and from that one spirit we have been made to drink. What do we drink from? Where do you drink from? Can you say that? A <laughs> doper. I know Andrew once, uh, he was in Namibia a few years ago. Where, where do you drink from? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's the joy of the Lord right there now. <laughs> Receive that joy. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, I'm telling you a funny story. Andrew, um, Andrew that leads Joshua and Andrew Selly, was in Namibia a few years ago, and he was preaching about John the Baptist. But he was actually preaching in Afrikaans. But Andrew's Afrikaans is not very good. It's worse than mine. Okay. And mine is slack. So he's preaching in Afrikaans about John the Baptist, and he says in Afrikaans, I want to tell you, I want to tell you from Johannes the Dopper. <laughs> Basically, for our American guest, Michelle, what does that mean? John, I think it's John the Drunkard, hey. John the Drinker, you know? And, um, and, everyone, and everyone started laughing. It was like, wonderful, the joy of the Lord, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone was like, you just got it all wrong. It's not, it's nie Johannes die Dopper nie, you know? And um, anyway, and, um, and so we see this actual... This, this, this thing is, where are we drinking from? What is the source of our, of our drinking, of our receiving, of, our, of, our, of, of where we find our sustenance and strength? And, um, and I want to look at these three characteristics just quickly from Ephesians 5 of a spirit-filled life. As I do so, I want to say that um, I want to share a story with you, actually, of what happens. This is quite a common occurrence in the state of Florida in the USA, in the state of Florida in the US, um, residents of an, a Florida apartment building um, awoke, this is a news article, awoke to, sorry, from Gordon MacDonald, he's an author, and he writes about, um, essentially he's writing about an inside-out life, this idea that where do we draw from? What is the center when no one sees? What are we, are we being filled um, from within, and he says, the residents of a Florida apartment building awoke to a terrifying sight outside their windows. The ground beneath the street in front of their building had literally collapsed, creating a massive depression that Flor Flor Florid Floridians, Floridians, people from Florida, call the sinkhole syndrome. Have any of you ever seen a sinkhole? Where, you've, um, where literally the ground caves away, and there's just like in the road sometimes, you get that. You see it in the news sometimes. I know it happened in South Africa a few years ago, where an entire house literally caved in, just disappeared into this sinkhole. 
And he explains here that the building itself, um, sinkholes occur, scientists say, when underground streams drain away during the seasons of drought, causing the ground at the surface to lose its underlying support. And so he says here, it's when, as, as the ground itself, it, 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 underneath what's there has, has been drained away, especially if there's underground streams, right underneath the surface, they dry out, and the, the ground begins to lose its, its weight, its support, and it begins to crumble away from inside. And what we're talking about this morning, as you look at these things, as we share these three things, is I don't want us, because Christianity is not about behavior modification, it's not just making sure that everything is right on the outside, but it's, it's what's under the surface that produces something of solidity, of foundations, and actually that comes from the Spirit. It comes from, as we're in Jesus, by the Spirit. And, um, and let's have a look at these three characteristics that he gives from verse 19, 20, and 21 of what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit, to have a secret life, and, and what does that look like? And here are three fruit. And I want you to measure yourself against these things. Um, where are you in these three areas? Um, measure yourself. Let's look at number one. Verse 19, the first sign or characteristic or mark of a spirit-filled life is worship, is a heart of worship. And look what he says in verse 19. He says, don't be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your hearts. And so you get this idea that a person who, from the inside out, has been filled with the Spirit and living a life of, of, of where the river is flowing under the surface is where you have a heart that overflows with worship. And you find yourself singing. You find yourself worshiping. And one of the signs of even being in the faith is that you begin to love worship. Maybe you weren't even musical, weren't even someone that was enjoying music. But I find when you come to Christ and you taste the Spirit, suddenly you begin to long for the things of worship. And, you know, if you struggle with worship, you have to put up with the fact that even in heaven, for eternity, what will we be doing? We'll be worshiping before the throne, worshiping the living God. And it's like when we get a taste of what God is like, the magnificence and the source of all life, the response of our hearts always, first and foremost, is worship. It's a heart of worship. That you're just like, oh, I want to worship God. Now, we don't always feel like that. I know sometimes for us, in reality, worship is a choice. But when you're living in that, that overflowing life, you'll find that you'll give yourself into the worship of the living God. Is the only time some of us worship on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, then I want to say the river might have run dry. The rivers run dry. But if your heart on a Monday morning, you know, like you're driving to work and your heart begins to sing to the Lord, that is a sign of a person who's filled with the Spirit. Interesting, it says here, and I've always struggled with this, it actually says, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why doesn't he start off by saying, addressing the Lord? Why does he say, we sing to one another, essentially, as we sing to the Lord? Why does he say that? And I think one of the reasons is because we are saved, not just with me and Jesus, but when we're saved, we are saved into us, together. And that the Christian life is lived out in community, that if I really want to worship God, I've got to come with you and worship God. 
I've got to be with my brothers and sisters to enjoy him and worship him. And in fact, if you're only worshiping on your own, you know, you meet some Christians like that, there's a problem. It's together as we worship him. And then it carries on in, in, in 19b, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Don't you love that? That when you're full of the Lord, it's not just with your mouth. It's not just with your lips, but it's from the heart. It's with the heart. In other words, there's something that springs forth from inside of you that you begin to worship him out of a, an overflow of the heart. Uh, you know, and God is interested in this inward to outward expression of our love for him in the way that we worship him. Um, it's a beautiful thing. And so we sing with our hearts. Have you, any of you heard the story of, that, um, so, of the song that was sung um, many of you might know it. It's called When the Music Fades. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's an old Matt Redman song. It goes, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. You know? And then it goes, and when, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. Where that song was birthed was um, in the church where Matt Redman, who was the worship leader, the songwriter, they had a very impressive band. They had very skilled musicians, people that uh, were really, that many of them were in the professional music industry. The church was called Soul Survivor, um, and they had a conference as well. And the pastor, Mike Pilavachi, after a while, he, he felt grieved in the Lord that the worship was becoming a bit of a performance. And in fact, people were coming to church to have a worship experience rather than to meet the one who's worthy of worship. And so he felt the Lord challenging him, saying, you actually are worshiping worship. You're actually getting caught up in the experience, but you're not actually meeting the object of your worship. And so what he did was, for a season, he cut out the worship team. He said, guys, from now on, for the next season, however long that is, we are not going to have worship up front with the worship team. We're going to have one person with a microphone singing without instruments. And they had a big church. I mean, they had hundreds and hundreds of folk. And so the worship leader, the next Sunday, got up, you know, <clears throat> all right, you know, we're here to worship the Lord. Suddenly there's no instruments, no band. Everyone's like, what? what? What's going on? And they began to sing for over a period of months purely just with their voices. And in the beginning, Matt Redmond said it was awkward, like super awkward, you know, um, because they would be, they'd have the feeling and they'd get picked up by the, the instruments in the, in the thing. But what he said began to happen is over time, there was something of a depth in their worship that was created because they weren't caught up in the music, but they began to see the wonder of the Lord himself, even in their worship. And out of that time, they wrote the song. He wrote the song, When the Music Fades and All is Stripped Away. And I encourage you, you know, even in your songs, what are you listening to? Are you even at times, maybe switch off, the, switch off your music album, your worship album. Maybe just sing to the Lord. And you might say, but Mike, you really don't want to hear me sing. You know, I mean, even the angels seem to run away when, you know, even the angels block their ears and say, you know, the Lord doesn't because, you know, he's, he's so gracious with us. You know, but even the angels, don't just, just put on an album, please. But I think what we do is we're robbing ourselves of an opportunity to build a muscle of worship. And I want to encourage you, is like, go to the Lord, sing to Him, even without music in the background, or without, just go for it. 
Um, anyway, but worship is a sign of a worshiping life. The second thing is thankfulness, is another mark of a spirit-filled life, thankfulness. And in verse 20, it says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, in 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, I want us just to look at the scripture up there. It mentions here a list of characteristics of people in the last days, uh, in the period of the last days, that are marked by willful lovers of self. These are all bad things that these are mentioned. It's a litany of bad fruit and, and sinful flesh. And how in the last days there'll be more and more of the flesh of man and, and the love of man that will rise up and how we, how we see ourselves big and God small. And, and what he does is he gives a list here of things that mark out a person of the flesh. Now, one of these things which is interesting that he mentions here is the word ungrateful. That a mark of someone who's worldly even if you go to church, because it says later on that you can have a form of godliness. You can go to church. But the mark of someone is ungrateful. In other words, it's the opposite of being thankful. Unthankfulness. But rather that if you're in the faith, it's somehow you've got the sense of you give thanks in all circumstances. And it's not just when things are going well. Yeah, I got a bonus at work. Thank you, Lord. You're such a good God. You know? But it's a time when you've lost something. And life becomes hard, and you've experienced some kind of storm and darkness that comes over your life. Paul's saying here that give thanks always and for, what does he say? In, in verse, in, go back to Ephesians um, 5, he says, give thanks always and for, say with me, always and for everything. That's hard. In other words, when you're on Grumble Copy, it's like you've got to get onto Praise Mountain, man. It's like you've got to somehow find the, the, the ability to give thanks in Him. And thanksgiving is a, uh, is a fruit of a spirit-filled life. Interesting here that we also see the Trinity at work. Um, you know, one of the marks of us, is, um, of us serving the Lord is that we believe in, we've got the Trinitarian traveling companion. We've got God when we walk in this world, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit who's with us. And if you've got three who are with you, man, he, what, can, what, not what can go wrong, but if he's for you, what can be against you? And look what it says here. I love this. It says, giving thanks. Remember, it's by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And it says, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've got the, the Father, we've got the Son, and we've got the Spirit. All three are involved in a, in, a, in, a, in a lifestyle of thanksgiving that we do. Isn't that beautiful? Let's look at the third one. Thankfulness is, is the second one. How are you doing in the area of thankfulness? I know for me, I've got to often choose. I've got to say, Lord, would you help me to develop the muscle of thanksgiving? That I have to choose to be thankful in every circumstance. Third one is mutual submission and verse 21. Mutual submission. And this is one that's probably the hardest for, for some of you. It might be very hard. And it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submission to people. 
What, what does that mean? It means that I have, I'm willing to come under and to make myself low and to actually be part of a community, a family of faith, where my life, I'm accountable and my life is submitted, where I'm inviting people to speak into my marriage, into my prayer life, into my finances, into my parenting, into my different parts of my life, where I say I'm actually going to submit myself to the body of faith. And I can, I can be shaped in that way. Um, but this is not something that natural man does. We, we don't do it well. And even ourselves, even sometimes the most spiritual people can actually say, but I struggle to submit. Some of you might be, have been hurt by authority figures in the past. And you say, no, 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 I can't submit because I, you don't know how I've been hurt. My friends... Once you are in the life of the Spirit, and as God begins to work in you the values of the kingdom, I want to say the fruit will be mutual submission one to another. And um, I think the safety for AD and I, we've been walking with Jesus for um, about 30 years or so, and we married for 25 years. And one of the reasons we, I think we have a good marriage, um, I think we've got a very good marriage, and I think one of the reasons we've got a really good marriage, one of the reasons is because we've actually opened ourselves up to other people to speak into our marriage. Um, when I've had areas where I've struggled with AD and I, I've gone to those that I trust, gone to those in the Lord who are mature, and I've said, this is where we're doing. I want to be accountable. I want to I submit myself out of reverence for Christ to speak into my life. And um, the one thing I've realized with myself over the years, that I have quite a few blind spots. Areas where I realize that I, I just simply don't see clearly. And I'm wise in my own eyes. And the necessity to find others enough to say, Mike, you've done this. And actually God would want to shape that area of your marriage or your life. Um, in closing, I had a situation um, many years ago where uh, I've shared this with some of the students. So I don't think I've shared it with the church. When we were pastoring a church in Oatsorn. And uh, in, the southern, in the Southern Cape. And um, we had been going about a year and a half. And I, as you know, I come from a teaching background. I was a, actually a fine arts teacher. I taught history of art, history, and painting. And uh, I, I had the, the, the wonderful opportunity to be trained in uh, critical thinking and learning how to um, kind of criticize other artworks. And, and that's the way we grew, by criticizing and by learning to see what wasn't good. And so you can get better. It's the same as, we, you know, you do in different types of workplaces. And um, when I, as I got saved, there was something in me that I didn't realize was actually hindering me from working with other people. And I had a church secretary, a young lady who was married, that, I, that we employed. Uh, the church was called River of Life Church. And we employed her to uh, work with me. In fact, Andrew, he actually gave me some advice because it was between her and another lady. And Andrew said, I think actually the other lady would be a better choice. And, and he said, again, it's your decision, but this is what, what I think. And I, I went against his advice. And I actually went with the other lady for various reasons. And anyway, she, we worked together. And being a church secretary in a young church plant basically is like being an elder. She, she, everything goes through the church secretary. She knows what's happening in the church. She is in your home. You, you're quite close um, with, with the family. And you really need her to kind of be someone who would also 
think the best of me and to work well with me. And as we began to work together, I began to realize that I found that she was quite critical towards me. And I, I didn't work well with her. I was like frustrated with her. Um, and we, we just didn't seem to gel nicely to the point where eventually it came to the point where I felt like I actually couldn't work with her anymore. And I needed to fire her. Okay, <laughs> this is bad. Um, uh, I've learned a lot since then. So what happened was I, I, I went away. I, I even fasted and prayed, just to let you know. I fasted and prayed. I went away for days. Like, Lord, what do I do? This woman is like a thorn in my flesh. You know, a messenger from Satan, as it says in 2 Corinthians. It almost felt like that, you know. And I was like, ah, this is just, Lord, what do I do? I, I can't work with her. I feel like she's negative all the time and that she... Um, you know, and she was actually a very broken lady. She'd come from a very broken background, and I wanted to try and bring her through, and it was one of the reasons why we brought her on to staff. And, um, and what happened was, anyway, I went to their home. Uh, I think I, I might have got some advice, but not from Andrew or one or two other people. I actually just think I just went ahead and made the decision myself. And I went to their home on the Sunday evening, and I basically said, look, you're fired. I can't work with you anymore. I was pretty blunt, and I was just like, you know, you, we can't work together. Basically, you're fired. And, of course, they got offended, naturally so, uh, and they left the church, her and her husband and her two little kids. They said, well, we actually, sure, we feel so hurt right now that you, you would even, you'd want to fire me, you know? And so they actually left the church. They were hurt, and they left the church, and I thought, like, well, well, they're probably, you know, there goes the thorn, you know, type thing. And I kind of justified my own actions, and... Um, and now she was, she was actually, her and her husband were very close to a good friend of mine, one of the elders in Josh Jane, Russell Fraser. And so she phoned Russell and said, Russell, this is what's happened. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. Mike fired me and I feel like, ah, she, you know, she had a list of stuff that she felt was wrong with me. Anyway, so she phoned Russell. Russell then phones me, said, hey, Mike, the next day, I heard that, you know, you fired Yvonne, oh, the, sorry, her name. Um, this lady, uh, and heard that you fired her, and what, what would happen? What happened? And I explained to, her what, to him what happened, and he said to me this. He said, you know, maybe there's another side to the story. Maybe there's something in you that God needs to deal with, the way that you're actually treating other people, and especially maybe with her. And I was like, no ways. I'm completely in the right here. I've done nothing wrong. I was just, you know, I've checked my heart. I took the log out of my own eye. I've done all that, and I think it was the right decision. And so he said, okay, why don't you go and pray about it? And ask the Lord that if there's anything in your character that the Lord needs to reveal, why don't you pray about it? So I said, Russ, you know, I will. I trust you, and if you think there's something. And he said to me, I think that there's something. I think the Lord wants to put his, his finger on something in your life with, in, in these relationships. So I went away, prayed about it. One week nothing. Two weeks, nothing. I was like, oh, okay, maybe the Lord, you know, it's not, there's nothing, you know. And slowly, I think it was like the third week, as I began to come before the Lord, it was as if God began to spotlight an area of my life that I realized that I'd contributed to the breakup of this, this, this working relationship, this relationship. And what it was, I realized that in me, I had a critical spirit. I was critical. And what I would do is that I tended to, sometimes in dealing with people, I tended to view them with a glass half empty. 
always looking for things that they could do better in and improve in, and always kind of trying to never seeing the good. And I hadn't actually learned to think the best. I'd, I'd never been redemptive. I'd always kind of been the teacher that goes, hmm, you know? You know, when looking at an artwork, if you're looking at a, if you, any of you do painting and you do art, when you stand before your artwork and you're having to work on it, or if you're a musician and you're writing songs, you have to, you know, work on that. You've got to step back and go, how can I do this better? And I remember doing that with people. I'd go back and I'd go, hmm. And I think people always felt that I was like, hmm, <laughs> over them, you know? Always, always ne a bit negative. Always like I, they, they couldn't do enough that was right. That they were always a little bit, they, were never, they never felt my smile. As, as a father in the house. And um, yeah, as, it, as the Lord began to show me this, I, I just realized, man, I've sinned. I've sinned. I've sinned against God. And I went to her, uh, to the family, and I repented. I, I went to, I remember going to their home. Eddie came with me, and we sat down with her and her husband, and, and we said, and I said to her, I'm so sorry. I realized that there's been a while our relationship, you, sure, you've done stuff, but actually I'm to blame. And I took ownership of my own sin, and I realized that I've, I've got a blind spot, and I need help to learn how to be joyful and learn how to, how to think the best and not be negative or critical towards other people. And, um, you know, that, that incident was a turning point in my life. I still have to watch it because I'm a teacher by nature, and so, of course, I want to correct that's, that's what I love to do. My love language is correction. <laughs> but I hope you feel my smile. Um, I hope you do. Uh, I've tried to become a lot more gracious and to learn to think the best and to honor others. I really have. But I know it, it, it can trip up from time to time. I want to say this in closing, that part of the reason why the Lord was able to deal with an area in my life was because I, had to, I submitted myself to others. If it wasn't for Russell Fraser that phoned me and said, Mike, I think there's an area in your life that God wants to deal with, I don't think I would have changed. I think I would have had a, a history of maybe broken relationships where I would have hurt people. My friends, in closing, you know, God would want us to live an inside-out life, a life that is filled with the Spirit, and, and the marks of being filled with the Spirit is worship, thanksgiving, and, and an ability to to submit ourselves and be shaped in the family of faith. Um, and I'd love to pray for us today that, that God would empower us, you know, on Pentecost, that again, this Christianity is not behavior, it's not behavior modification. It's not just try harder. Christianity is the wellspring of life. As you go to Jesus, as you ask Jesus to fill you with his spirit, as you have a, re a relationship with him, it's the, the, the well of living water. And if you don't, if you don't, if you are into just becoming a good person, the danger, my friends, is we end up in a sinkhole syndrome. And sooner or later, your, your life will cave in because you actually haven't tended to your secret garden. You haven't tended to a secret relationship with the Lord. Found the, the river of life that will sustain you and enable you in those areas of our lives. And so... I would love to pray for us this morning as we do so and just turn to him again. Let's pray. <clears throat> Worship you, Lord. <clears throat>
praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord God. Just where you are, just why don't you drink of the Lord? Just in a sense, with your heart, just to say, Lord, I want to drink of you right now. Drink of one spirit, as 1 Corinthians 12 says. To be empowered. I want the river of life to flow from my innermost being. Oh, Lord, would you come this morning? We invite you here, Lord. Spirit of God, we invite you. We say we worship you. We love you, Lord. We, Lord Jesus, we thank you for, oh, for who you are, for dying on the cross, for sending the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for that. We love you, Lord, today. We love you, Lord, this morning. Lord, we love you. Worship you, Lord. We love you. Would you come and bring the breeze of the Spirit through our souls? Would you bring the wind of the Spirit through our souls, through our, through our minds and through, through our spirits, through our emotions? Would you bring the wind of the Spirit through our relationships, our marriages, our finances, our parenting, our workplaces? Bring the wind of the Spirit through the school that we're in. Lord, our lives, come and breathe through us, Lord, we pray. Come, Lord, come, Lord. Oh, we want to drink deeply of you, Lord. We want to experience your power and your love. Come, oh God. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. We're going to just stay in an attitude right now of just this worship. And, of, and I want you to just really quieten your heart before the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to do something just with your eyes closed. To really quieten your heart. And just allow him to fill you. Just allow him to do that. Don't want there to be hype. Don't want to try and manufacture or work it up. Do you come? Do you come, Lord? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. As we're in this place, I, I want to pray, firstly, for if you're here today and um, you're not a Christian, or you, you've run away, you, you know him in some way, you've, you even believe in God, but actually you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've, you want to come back and you want to, you want to surrender your life. The Bible says that if you... You have to confess your sin. You have to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm, I can't save myself. I'm actually, the Bible says that if, you, if you're not in Jesus, if, you're not, if, if you don't know him, the Bible says you're dead. You might be alive in, in, in this chair right now, but spiritually, you're dead. You're a corpse. And the only way you can come alive is by coming to the one that has life, Jesus. And if you're that today and you want to come to the one who has life, you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus. You want to surrender your life to him. And you, want to, you know that God is calling you and drawing you. Is anyone like that today? I want you to raise your hands. Say, Mike, that's me. I, I want you to pray for me. I sense God's leading.
I know, I know he's called me, but I've, maybe you've been running from him. Today, he's, he's got your name. He knows you. He, he wants you. He, he's, he died for you to take your shame and your guilt, that you don't have to carry it. He, he's, he's for, he wants to forgive you of your sins. Is there anyone that wants to give their lives to the Lord this morning? And for the rest of us, let's stand together. And, um, it's just where we are. Can we just spend a moment? We've got, we've got a bit of time. Just where we are, just, let's just receive from the Lord. If you, you want to raise your hands even as a sign. Yes, Lord, we come to you this morning. Welcome you, Lord. I want to sing an old song that I want you to sing with me. It goes, um, it's an old chorus. It goes, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, we welcome you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. There's a verse that goes, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain, come to the fountain, dip your heart, dip your heart in the streams of life, let the pain, let the pain and the sorrow be washed away, be washed away. In the waves of his mercy, in the waves of his mercy, as deep cries out, as deep cries out too deep. We sing, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come. We sing, come Lord Jesus, come. Yeah, we sing, come, Lord Jesus, come. And all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the streams of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy as deep cries out to thee. Holy Spirit, come. We sing, Holy Spirit, come. We sing, Holy.
Spirit, come. Yeah, we sing, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, we sing, Holy Spirit, come. We say, come. Yes, we do, Lord. Oh, we welcome you here, Lord. Oh, oh, would you fill us with your spirit, Lord? Would you fill us with your spirit, Lord? Oh, would you fill us with you, God? Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Would you come, Lord, this morning, Lord Jesus, and come and fill us with your spirit? Lord, we want to invite you and ask you to come and to wash and to cleanse and to empower us afresh. Lord, that your river would come and to reinvigorate the dry places. That for those that are here that maybe even are dry, they're dry. There's that, maybe that sinkhole is forming, that you would come, Lord, this morning and, and, and through um, spring up a well, spring up a well, Lord, as we come to you this morning. Father, would you come afresh and baptize and fill your people with your presence. Fill your people with your power. Come, Lord. Welcome you here, O oh God. Welcome you here, O oh God. Worship you, Lord Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Can I ask the worship team just to come up? And um, if you feel like this morning you are feeling, maybe you, you, are, you relate to that sinkhole syndrome. And you feel that you, maybe you just want to get refreshed and want to receive prayer. We're going we're gonna to end with a worship song. And if you want prayer this morning and want to find just, you know, the Bible actually speaks about that that often happens through the laying on of hands, right? And through the laying on of hands, we can find strength and even spiritual gifts that come to us. And you, if you're longing for more of the Lord, you're wanting more of Him, then we're going to be up front. And we, we'd love to pray for you just as we do so and respond to Him as we do in worship. So maybe just quietly in the background, you can play something, Mike, and um, just, just quietly. And I want to ask that, yeah, is there anyone? Why don't you come out? Anyone this morning that needs prayer, why don't you come out?